I probably felt that I had went through the past 25 or 26 years just on autopilot, I suppose, really. And never questioned my own pleasure either. We all have different needs and wants, but I think when you're in a long-term relationship, you just become we all of a sudden. There's no I really anymore. That's Tracy. She's curious about polyamory and is currently considering it. In researching this documentary, I chatted with lots of people. Yeah. <laughs> Very different to the Queen Bee, baby. Fully engaged polyamorists and curious monogamists. <laughs> like this group. And I've been trying to get to the bottom of A sort difference. of focus group, if you like. There's open relationships where that tends to be where you go and have sex. This is my understanding. Polyamory is more where you have an emotional connection with the various people. So let's say, for example, you meet Jim and you like Jim, but you think, but I've also met Mark and I really like Mark too. And I'd like to be in a relationship with both of them. Absolutely, you can feel many loves for different people, but it's whether you can feel them all at the one time. I don't know, I find... Yes, that's what I find difficult. And also, there's the other aspect of it. Like, does faithfulness come into it as well? I don't understand how you can fall in love with many people. You're in love with one. But hold on, how many, okay, how many relationships Well, I've had quite a few. <laughs> but not all at once. <laughs> so, is, is it done by hours, like? It isn't spontaneous if you have to have a schedule. You know, like, I'm here on Tuesdays, the other one's there on Thursdays. It's like, I think I one. actually wanted to go and see Oppenheimer, but you're now going to go and see Oppenheimer with her, but you're not going to go and see it with me. So how... Could you not have that, though? With, like, do you have to go and see it twice? Yeah, but could you not have that? That's six hours of your life. <laughs> is that is that how, what it boils down to? <laughs> is it? Or you go to Barbie with one and up an armour with the other. <laughs> <laughs> OK, I'll just give you a look at the Google Calendar here just to see the look on your faces. Jenny and Alad are polyamorous. <laughs> Just go through any month and you'll see it's just a riot of colours. He's Welsh. So for example, at the beginning of the month... She's Irish. So, They're married, kids, in their 40s, uh, like one of, one of our kids and they have children in primary school. So, for example, at the beginning of the month, we went to see a Christmas carol, the four of us. We're in the kitchen of their three-bedroom semi in Galway. The next day, there was one of the kids had a dental appointment. They're so showing me the calendars on their phone at the moment. The next day, Alad had a date. One of those ones you share with the each next, other. The next day, the boys had another appointment. And the two of us had dates then the next day, different times. When most married people talk about date night, usually they're going out with each other, right? What colour is date night? Date night for Jenny and Alad looks quite different. My stuff is yellow. Alad's stuff is red. Okay. Yeah, so this month there's actually a little bit more yellow than red. A um, bit more red than yellow last month. So, yeah. so you're playing the field as opposed to being committed and then it's borderline really though, isn't it? Like, I'm curious now, how does it start? Like, is it a conversation from one person going, listen, I am interested in this and, and, and what do you think? For Jenny and Alad, for example, their polyamory started one evening with a conversation on the couch. Basically, there was one night we were sat, we'd put the kids to bed early and having a glass of wine. I vaguely remember us talking about 
you know when you meet someone new and you know this excitement that you get and this like giddy feeling of this new like the first time you kiss someone and you don't know if you're going to kiss or not and and it's so it's so exciting and the butterflies that you get and just all of the things and I remember that that conversation being kind of the catalyst for it to happen the oh god wouldn't it be lovely to have that again and both of us totally agreed wouldn't it be lovely god yeah I miss that I love what we have but wouldn't that also be lovely Jenny's right I mean who doesn't identify with the idea of excitement of new love it's a magical time in any relationship but what would the risk be of trying to recapture that while you're already committed to somebody else well the polyamorists like Alan say it can actually help the original relationship. We appreciate each other more since being polyamorous than when we were monogamous because you appreciate your partner more when somebody else fancies them. The other thing is, like, I've had relationships with amazing women, like the women I wouldn't have thought I would have had a chance with, and as great as they all were, none of them compared to my wife, you know? And I was like, well, I've obviously made the right choice here. Although one polyamorous, Ruth, who's also a counsellor, says that there are risks involved. Polyamory is not a solution to feeling bored sexually in the relationship. It is not a solution to kind of going, oh, well, we've been together this amount of times and we just, you know, want to open things up and explore things more. No, this will bring up every vulnerability within the relationship. And unless you address this, it is going to explode the relationship. Maybe not boredom, but habit and a sense of missing out on new experiences. That's what led Tracy to check out polyamory. From the beginning. I think a documentary on this topic would be fantastic. When Tracy heard I was making this documentary, she emailed us at Doc on One. I feel there is a small shift in how people are viewing relationships. This is her reading part of her email. And how having more than one meaningful relationship is possible. I have been married almost 30 years and it's a discussion myself and my husband have been exploring for the past while. It's just somebody had made a comment to me one day about a magic wand and I didn't know what it was. So a magic wand is a vibrator and I was saying what the hell? Like, why don't I know what this is? Subsequently, I had conversations with my friends and they said, sure, you watch Sex in the City all the time. What's wrong with you? What? And I said, I, I know. That just made me kind of feel very naive about myself. And I just started kind of delving into things a little bit more then. I started listening to a podcast and following people on Instagram regarding polyamory and... I joined the Polyamory Ireland Facebook page. And I suppose really just questioning myself and my relationship and what I like. OK, so back to our focus group of people. I wouldn't be one for it at all. Like, dependability. That's a big thing in life, to depend on a partner. If I knew that Joe was being unfaithful and he told me and he was going out, with Mrs. A, B or Mrs. C tonight, I wouldn't even know who he'd be with. And Mrs. A, B and C would inevitably lead on to Mrs. D, E and F. 
I really would have no truck with it at all. If you were in a relationship with a guy and he said, yeah, will we open it up? You know, I wouldn't mind seeing other people, somebody maybe you cared about. Would you be open to that? Yeah, you see, that's an interesting question because I suppose it's down to how much you see a future with that person or it's down to, you're right, does this person film all of my needs or do I need something else? And the question is, should and can one person fulfil all your needs? Yes, I think one can. Back to Alan and Jenny from Galway and the glass of wine on the couch. They'd been talking about joining Tinder. And she said, OK, get my phone. And it was the quickest scramble for a device ever, you know. I'll show you my Tinder bio because I'm so proud of it. been curating it for four years. Now, obviously, my pictures look nothing like how I look now. <laughs> so I was 36 when I went on Tinder for the first time. And, you know, after having kids, you have this kind of, oh my God, who am I? Where do I fit in the world? Because Tinder is very looks-based. So you get very like, oh God, how do I rate? Panic. Probably checking my alley. Does this look all right? You know, to me, I was old and I was this and I was that. And then I went on to Tinder, right? And I was swiping on people I should not have swiped on because I was like, well, I don't know where I am. So I was kind of swiping on people maybe I wasn't fully attracted to and soon realised I could be a little bit, I'm not, I'm grand. I'm not particularly attractive. I'm also not unattractive, <laughs> but I got loads of matches and I went, oh, Jenny, you need to chill out a bit. <laughs> you need to like swipe less on people, have standards. So Tinder is primarily for hooking up, right? But for Jenny and Alan, that's not really how it worked. Right at the start, it was just going to be about sex, you know? Absolutely not for me. No judgment on anyone that does it. But the idea of being physically intimate with someone that I've just met, I just couldn't do it because I wouldn't feel it. We very, very quickly learned that the people that we like to have sex with are also the people we like to hang around with. And just the sexual element would just leave us cold anyway. I have to get to know someone, I have to know their personality, I have to have a bit of crack with them. <laughs> Sorry. I went on two dates with a guy. And I get this thing when I like someone my way of flirting is to like slag them <laughs> like I think it's very Irish I think it's very Irish and he said something like I feel like I'm the butt of a lot of your jokes and I don't like it and I went <gasps> and that was the end of that <laughs> because if he doesn't like my sense of humour good luck <laughs> Notice you don't wear a wedding ring. I just haven't got it on at the moment. Yeah, if I go on a date or whatever, I've got the wedding ring on. Some women don't notice at all, and some are like, oh, you're married, you know? Uh, you know, if you're just talking to somebody in a bar, you know? But uh, I do find that because I'm totally open at the start, that it's very well received because women are used to men lying to them constantly. And I don't do that. I tell them everything, so they respond very well to it. The first few times he was going out on a date, 
I would have been, oh God, oh, I feel so weird. Like, oh, what if she's younger than me? What if she's skinnier than me? What if she's prettier than me? What if, what if, what if, what if? So I'm, I'm thinking of like the first woman that he went with and she was attractive and she earned a lot of money and she had great clothes. And I mean, right? And so he went off to Dublin to meet this. She was younger than me as well. Um, and she didn't have kids, you know, all these things. And so I'm like, oh God, oh God. And then, okay, what's realistically, I talked to myself, but realistically, what's going to happen? Is he going to like stay in Dublin and shack up with this girl, even if he really likes her, which I hope he does because I want him to have a great time. Is he going to stay in? No, he's going to come back. And then we'll talk about it. And he came back and we talked about it. And I said, you know, did you have a good time? Did you this? Did you that? But we have learned that the best way for us to do that is for us to like have a hug while we're talking about how our dates have gone and how it's like a, a reconnection when we're talking about other people. I probably wouldn't want to hear about it. But you could yes. block your ears to it. She'd like. Do they actually do that or they? Mm. Because if they if they if they go out for a night and they come back and they're maybe they're in a really bad mood or they're tired and they don't communicate with that other person, then that can really compound the hurt. But it's also an inter interesting distraction as opposed to talking about the bills or the you know. <laughs> there's one thing there's one thing about how was your day at work dear as to how was your night tonight you know like where what's, so what do you say right so what what did you do did you have a good oh well what was the restaurant like oh did you go oh you haven't taken me to chapter one or you haven't taken me there or he had a date there recently with a very attractive woman that i know and I was like, you know, how was it? And he was like, oh my God, it was great. We got on so well. And I was like, yeah, she's sound, isn't she? Um, oh yeah, she's lovely. And we talked about this and we talked about that. And he said, oh, and she was really dressed up. I said, oh yeah, I bet you she looked fantastic. And he was like, yeah, she did. She looked really well now. And then I walked her to her car. I said, did you have a kiss? And he was like, no, no kiss. But, you know, we're going to see each other again. And I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Now, this is four years in. So I'm a lot more chilled about it. The only problems I've ever had is she's dating somebody who I think is a pr and I have to talk to him. Oh, there was one guy and she put us in the kitchen together and then left us alone. And I was like, this is not my kind. And never mind the fact that, you know, this guy's in a relationship with my wife, right? The discounting that this is not my kind of person at all. And we just sat there like in the most awkward, small talk, you know, it's like <laughs> the weather, you know, how the stocks are doing, you know. Would you show affection to another woman in front of Jenny, for example? We talked about this recently, actually, because the relationship that I just had, she is polyamorous and she is married and lives with her husband, also has another partner. And I was talking to her about it. And she said, oh, yeah, well, I'm openly affectionate with my other partner in front of my husband in the house when they're staying. We sleep in mine and my husband's bed, the main bedroom and my husband sleeps in the spare room. And I was like, Jesus, that's quite something, you know? And uh, so I brought up the subject with Jenny and uh, I don't think she would be comfortable with me being affectionate with, uh, you know, I mean, holding hands or, you know, a kiss on the cheek or whatever, but anything more than that, you'd probably feel uncomfortable with. What I'm trying to understand, having never been, you know, polyamorous relationship, but I've lots and lots of very close friendships, male, female, 
really deep friendships. What is the difference apart from the sex? Depends on, on the type of friendships that you have. Like I stayed over at my boyfriend's house last night and he brought me a cup of tea in bed and the connection that we have is just so lovely that it can't be compared to a friendship. But then how long does that last for though? You're in that relationship, you get butterflies, but eventually that will wear off. So don't we all love the start of a new relationship, right? And you don't know everything about somebody. You don't know their family, you don't know their siblings, yeah. and, and, and exactly that. You love them, you get dressed up, you look ready to go and see them. And you, but, but that's chemical. That's chemical. That's, that's oxytocin, yeah. endorphins yeah. and serotonin. Generally, if you're with someone, it is very exciting. Then in about few months down the track it just becomes mm. ordinary the emotions change yeah. deepen so you can't always be chasing the butterflies since becoming polyamorous i haven't had a relationship any longer than 10 months and i'm with my current newer partner for nearly five months and it still feels shiny and new and lovely and so maybe that's part of it is there's still butterflies and makes you feel giddy i mean my friends don't give me butterflies really lovely. <laughs> this is Vladimir. Like finding a second family almost. He's from Romania originally. He's a psychologist now living in Ireland and he's in his 20s. I had been in a monogamous relationship and I sort of kept feeling that this is not something that I'm very comfortable with but I didn't know how to express it. I was really rather immature at the time as well. And then I came across this polyamorous group of people and I saw that all of a sudden I'm allowed to have feelings for other people as well and that does not diminish in any way the feelings that I have for my primary partner. While Alan and Jenny tried polyamory after talking about it, Vladimir got into it after trying bondage. Shibari. Shibari, the Japanese practice of rope bondage. In this art, there is a lot of focus on intimacy between people. Not necessarily sexual, not necessarily romantic, just intimacy, pure intimacy. Actually, according to Vladimir, it wasn't the whole tying up with rope business that got him. It was the conversations with those doing it. Those sorts of people have, over time, become more accustomed to the idea of sharing intimacy with other people outside of their marriages or boyfriends, and they started exploring that. So I found those people were really good communicators. Good communicators. And that's what's intriguing about polyamory. They talk about talking a lot. If you're going to bring someone into your primary relationship, they say you have to talk about it. Your feelings, the practicalities, the risks. There's a lot, a lot of conversations with your partner required. So yeah, I would be on the dating apps and my boyfriend knows. Vladimir's boyfriend had never dated a polyamorous person before. When I discussed with him our limits, I said, do you want me to tell you every single person I'm talking to in any way? And he was like, oh no, just like if it gets in any way serious, like if you end up going out, you don't have to show me pictures or uh, talk to me about every single guy you had a two-word conversation with. I mean, OK, so what they would say is, look, one person can't fulfil all your needs. OK. You're, you're talking about, again, interests as well, right? So it's exactly, it might be that one of you is sportier, one of you is 
It's arty or London likes going to live gigs. So how do you, okay, so in, so you're not into it. How do you get through the kind of things that, you know, you, you don't want to do with your husband? I personally would think that marriage is about learning about growing as people and respecting each other's interests as well, isn't it? But what if you don't want to go to that tennis match or something? Well, you, just don't go. You just don't go, or you do go, and it's only an afternoon out of your life, you know. It's a take, isn't it? Yeah, compromise. Yeah. yeah. Like, you're interested in reading books, right? Yeah. And, Joe, do you read much? Not that much, but I read okay. much. So what if, like, there was a nice man who was loved to chat about books and other things that Joe wasn't necessarily interested in? No, he'd have no, he'd have no meaning in my life whatsoever, whatever he read. It's unfair to expect one person to be everything to you. My partner is a chef. I cannot cook for the love of God in any way whatsoever. So yeah, if he can find a partner and they can make the best meals in the world and have all the fun doing it, I'll just be happy to just come in the end and eat everything. I think women have naturally a jealous and a competitive gene within them. Right? Yes. I, I can't see how there isn't natural competition between those women going, well, like... But is she better looking than me? What happens when it's your birthday? Like, right, who do you spend your birthday night with? That conversation was typical. Whenever I asked people about polyamory, the most common concern was about one emotion in particular. Jealousy. For me, the hardest part about polyamory is jealousy. I can be a little bit of a needy baby <laughs> you know if i don't get the attention that i want the moment that i want it i am going to be a little bit upset so my partner at the time yeah he had another partner as well and we were going christmas gift shopping and uh, he was also shopping for his other partner and then he bought him something he bought him a coloring book with some really fancy crayons and like i identify as a little bit of an artist and those really fancy crayons got me so jealous, being like, how did you spend all of that money on all of those fancy crayons for him and not for me? I was raging. But then, you know, why keep this inside of me? Like, it doesn't matter. And I spoke out to him in the end. He saw me being uncomfortable and he was like, what's up? Um, well, you know, you bought those crayons for him and like, it's a really cute gift, but they're really good crayons and he's probably never going to end up using them. Meanwhile, I would use them and I don't have cute crayons. <laughs> So, you know, the most silly thing in the world, that moment when I saw those words, he grabbed my hand, turned me around, went back in the shop, got me even fancier crayons. <laughs> and, you know, it's sort of that thing of um, really tiny things can make you jealous, but at the same time, really tiny things can help you out of it. No, crayons doesn't really matter, but it made me feel really loved and appreciated, which, you know, I already was. I just wasn't feeling that at that exact moment in time. My biggest fear would be that I would be very jealous. This is Tracy again. Remember, she wrote us the email about polyamory. If you remember, she's curious about it, but she's also a little bit cautious. Tracy and her husband started talking about their options. And I think if an opportunity arises for either of us, we want to be able to take it with the knowledge that it's going to be okay with the other part of the couple. And it is about being selfish, but, like, what's wrong with that? Why can't I be selfish? You know, there's only um, a certain allotted time that we have. I suppose a lot of people would think that 
It's like wanting to have your cake and eat it. Oh, that phrase, having your cake and eating it. You can have your cake and eat it. Ruth, the polyamorist who's a counsellor, says it totally misses the point. It's just such a glib, judgmental way of looking at something that is very hard work. The hard work is in being real with your feelings and facing the things that are difficult and then communicating that to the multiple people in your life. That is not having your cake and eating it. (laughs) The emotional work that's involved in being poly was a huge exploration in what is a relationship or what is the end of a relationship? Oh, actually, how do I feel about myself? How do I feel about sex? How do I communicate about sex? Every question had another hundred questions behind it. Just sounds like hard work. (laughs) Just have to talk about every little thing. It's not easy. There's emotional work that goes along with it. And what happens if one person develops a deeper connection with one person but not the other? What if you fall in love with that other person? You always get the question of um, what happens if you fall in love with somebody else, you know? I'm so sure that's the point, you know, and it's like the best way to explain it is like, especially if they have children, it's like um, when you had your second child, did you stop loving the first one? No, you didn't. Like you loved the other one equally, you know, and that's how it is. Like, No, I think it's hard enough dealing with one person, never mind two or three. All you need to have is one difference of opinion and that leads to, yes, but you were out with Pat that night and I was rarely... I just don't really get mad. But if he gets mad, he, he says things sort of hurtful. And the next minute, he would turn around and he would say to me, what are we having for dinner today? You know, and I'd say, I'm not making any dinner because you're after saying so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. And you know what he'd say to you? Me? Never said that. And if I did, I'm very sorry. That's what he'd say. So what can you do? I, look, you could talk about how it's is it confidence. I think you have to be quite confident, yeah, and assured. You need so much self-confidence in everything polyamory. I can't stress this enough. It's hard. Vladimir comes back to being brave in the conversations you have to have. There's nothing you don't talk about. There's nothing. You bring up everything that you can and you make sure everyone is as comfortable as possible because if it hurts, it can hurt really bad. If you lie to yourself and you're in one relationship, that has damage. If you're in two relationships and three relationships, and all those people believe the lies that you're telling yourself, but it can be really, really damaging. Ruth, the relationship counsellor. And just like you wouldn't say to people who are in a relationship who are having difficulty and they go, oh, let's have a baby, because that will fix things. Yeah, don't open your relationship to fix your relationship. It is just a big commitment and difficulty and vulnerability as having a child. Babies, children, and that's something that really concerns the non-poly people I've spoken to. How does children fit into it? Yeah, how do you explain it how, to children? How do you explain it to children? But sorry, how Go. do the children explain it to their friends? You know, daddy's got a girlfriend and mummy's there and mummy has a boyfriend and how do they explain that? Those children go to school, say, oh... I saw Tommy coming out of your mum's house the other day and your dad was over travelling over in France and what's going on there? So the difficulty is is that society isn't evolved as a whole to deal with 
situations where there are multiple people in a relationship. Well, can I, uh, can I compare it to... A lot of people in Ireland don't believe in the church, but they still continue to get their children communion and confirmation because that's the norm. So it's a little bit like that, really. You don't want your child in school to be differentiated from what everybody else is doing. You don't want that hurt on the child. Is that not hypocrisy, well, but it is, but it's all around us. Well, would they... So I'm being naive here. Would children know then? Are these the yeah. pseudo-aunties and uncles, auntie so-and-so, uncle so-and-so, you know? Jenny and Alad have two children. Sometimes the children have met their parents' partners, like one of Jenny's boyfriends. He used to come to the house. The kids loved him, you know. used to, you know, climbing all over him and stuff. And the relationship then ended. And then the man no longer came to the house. And you'd think that would affect them, but they don't remember anything. You quiz them about it. And do you remember this guy? And they're like, what the hell? What are you talking about? No idea. And do you remember when this woman came to stay at the house? And, you know, we, we went... Because I remember there was a woman I was dating. But the kids were here. And, and me and this woman went off with the kids and did stuff. So then no memory. They ask the kids about it. What the hell are you talking about? I suppose it's always the little niggle in my mind is, oh, God. Are we doing them a disservice? Are they going to need loads of therapy because of this? Yeah, they're probably going to need therapy. <laughs> most people do. <laughs> but, you know. OK, would you rather your partner, husband, whatever, wife, had an affair or would you rather they were in a polyamorous relationship? Um, OK, well, it was an affair immediately suggests underhand going behind your back yeah my boyfriend implied as well that that is how he would view this thing before meeting me he was like if you're gonna do it just keep it a secret you know it's between the sheets it's your problem it's your business not everyone else's and i'm saying yeah but that can lead to a lot of hurt the thing is a huge amount of men would like uh, run around cheating on their wives you know and they're pretending that they're monogamous, you know, and uh, faithful and lying the whole time. Whereas I don't have to lie. I'm completely honest about what I do. That clearly is probably more respectful approach than, as you say, going to have an affair. So I totally kind of get that. Because I think there'd be less hurt in that. There's no guilt involved in what I do because my wife knows about it and is happy for me, you know. Isn't that more honest way to live? So if, I, if somebody said to me, you have got to choose whether or not my husband is going to have an affair or a polyamorous relationship, clearly I would go with polyamorous, because no matter what, at least there'd be some level of transparency to it. Having an affair versus being polyamorous. ...about how we think it would be. I know polyamory... This is something Tracy mentioned in her email to the Doc on One. Fortunately, I think people in Ireland are probably more accepting of infidelity than they are with the concept of love and affection not being a finite resource and that we have the ability to care and cherish more than our spouse or monogamous partner. Kind regards. That's definitely a conception that I find a lot. You know, Irish people just going like, oh, just, you know, do it in secret. You don't have to tell anyone about it. Hiding an affair is keeping it under covers polyamory is a little bit on the anarchy side, chaos. And social norms don't allow chaos because we have a construct of society to control us so that we have law and order. But 
if we're doing polyamory, some people might see it like we're rampant animals, as opposed to the rampant animals that we really are, but we're controlling them. Now, it might be an academic discussion whether having an affair is worse than being polyamorous. But Ruth, the polyamorous counsellor, says how people react to it really is a revelation. Sometimes I meet anger from people, nearly like, would you not have the decency to just go and cheat? You know, if you're unhappy, just go have sex with someone. What's with all this touchy-feely stuff? I don't know whether people find it too challenging or we've all grown up with the idea that people have affairs. And so it's part of our social script. We have seen it. And I wonder, actually, that there's a passiveness to having an affair. That person wasn't happy in their marriage and it just happened. Whereas polyamory is very conscious and intentional. And it's, in some ways, anarchic. So, let's say you and your partner decided to try polyamory. How would you go about it? Like, are there protocols? Are there certain rules? How would it all work? How much of the rules do you actually have to lay out before you even start? Because it's dangerous to start figuring them out as you go. Oh, I don't think you can do that. No. Yeah. Oh, I forgot that rule. Was that a rule? Yeah. Did we write it down? So how many rules? Yeah. We have boundaries now, not rules. For example, no friends and there's no unprotected sex at all. One day, I was hanging out with my partner, we were together, and he said, oh, by the way, later on, I'm going with my other partner out. Uh, and I was like, okay, sure, fine, whatever. And then the time came when he actually left, and his other partner picked him up. And I just realized in that moment, like, oh, you literally just right now left me for him, and we were having so much fun, and that had to stop because you had to go out with him. That's something I personally cannot deal with, a boundary of mine. We can hang out. And you can hang out with your partner. Just don't leave me to go with your partner right after that. Because that just doesn't make me feel good in any way. I presume they can lose family as well. I mean, whatever, children, but family. Yeah, mom. So I told mom about it. Um, She's kind of grand about it, but doesn't ask. I just told her, you know, myself and Al would see other people. And she was a bit shocked. And I said, you know, I, the thing is, I always start when I'm telling family and when I have told family, because almost everyone except my dad knows now, I've always said, first of all, let me just say me and Alad are fine. The kids are fine because I always think that people's first thought is, oh, God, that's it. They're done. So I have to start with we're fine. Everything is fine. We're seeing other people for the last few years. Just wanted you to know, feel free to ask any questions or feel free to never talk about it again. I remember her saying at one point, oh, I thought Alan had a girlfriend. And I was kind of shocked that she even said the word girlfriend and Alan in the same sentence. But it's something we kind of skirt around now. So, for example, she's coming up for Christmas and I said to her, just to let you know now in advance, I'm heading out for a couple of hours on Christmas Eve. Oh, okay. Nothing. No questions. No nothing. Now when she comes up, she might say, where are you after? And I'll say, I'm going to see my boyfriend. And she'll go, oh. (laughs) And that will probably be it. 
I wanted to tell my parents because I didn't want to lie to them. You know, I didn't want to hide anything from them. I've never lied or hid anything from them. So my mother came over and I told her and I assured her that there was nothing wrong in our relationship and the kids would be fine, which I assume would be our greatest worry. And I explained it very well, how it was like these people, they come into our lives, they become part of our lives, the kids get to know them and like them. And, you know, it was a healthy thing. It's not a, a weird, culty sort of thing. And uh, completely blew her mind because she had no idea such a thing existed, right? And she said, don't tell your father because he'll just think you're going to get divorced. I was like, right. And then uh, I said, listen, Jenny's family have decided they just don't want to acknowledge it and don't want to talk about it. And I don't want it to be like that with us. But that's what exactly what happened. So she's never mentioned it ever again. And I know from my brother, he brought it up one day when she said, yes, he told me I don't understand it and I don't want to talk about it. How do they explain it to their friends then? Have, have they explored that, mm. you know? I had three very good friends, all mammies, all in the Galway area. And they just, they just didn't get it and didn't want to get it and didn't want to ask anything about it. They just pretended it wasn't happening. I think they thought that Alad was a terrible, terrible man and maybe they thought that I was going to be eyeing up their partners. And so what I should have done <laughs> in hindsight was approach them individually and say, look, you're really hurting my feelings. This is a really huge thing. It makes me feel like you're not a very good friend. What if, you know, myself and Alad were to break up? Because that would also be a huge thing. And this, you can compare the two because they're both huge relationship things. That's what I should have done. <laughs> what I did was <laughs> send them all a message telling them how terrible they are. Tracy, who's thinking of becoming polyamorous, she decided to talk to her friends about it. We have a WhatsApp group and I just sent out just a message to say that I was involved in the making of the documentary, you know, that I was given my opinion, and I asked them so there was four other women my age and one man, a gay man. And I was shocked by their response, actually. They just immediately all got their backs up and said, no, that wouldn't be for me. Oh, no, I have one man in my life. That's all I need. Like as if I was questioning how their relationships were with and I had to come back to them several times and say that's not what I'm asking you I'm not asking you are you happy in your relationship but you know what are your thoughts on polyamory and even my male friend who would I would think would be very out there he was very conservative in his ideas as well saying no I want what my mother and father have I want to be just with one person maybe it would be okay for sex I know plenty of people who go on holidays, you know, for like a sex holiday away from each other, gay couples. And I said, well, I said, what about if it was that you loved somebody or that you had feelings? And, and he said, no, that would be a no-go. Do you worry that this, this need within both of you could threaten your relationship? 
I haven't thought about it that it would threaten our relationship, to be honest. But I suppose the thing is, I'm not looking for somebody else. I'm not looking to replace what I have. I'm just looking to add to it. I like the security of having a long term relationship, but I want my own autonomy as well. So how do you get that? Do you change the part you play in life? Is that what polyamory is all about? Do you stop being mommy and daddy? Get to be single again? Is it about playing a different role altogether? I mean, yeah, it doesn't feel like playing at anything, but it also feels like you're a different version of yourself. I'm not mommy. Although it's been quite a few times I've had texts from Alad going, just letting you know, one of the kids has been sick and I've been on hyper alert. So I've had times where I've had to leave at four o'clock in the morning. More out of guilt, Alad would never ask me to come home unless it was 100% necessary. But more out of guilt of, oh God, poor Alad is there with the kids and one of them is puking and he's having to clean it all up and you know. So I would have said before, I'm not mammy, but actually in recent months, I feel like I can't fully ever switch off because there's been a few times where the kids have been sick lately. I cannot imagine ever going back to monogamy. And thankfully, Alad feels the same. And we've had this conversation many, many times. And it's kind of a regular check-in thing that we do. And to be honest, if he turned around tomorrow and said, I want to be monogamous, I'd say, okay, you can be monogamous, but this is me. A long-term relationship is the goal. I haven't achieved it yet. You know, I have my life here and have another partner who I can see regularly and have it last. There's been situations with a partner of a partner where I would get small tokens or getting a gift or being thought of or getting a text when I'm vulnerable. Just feeling a, a warmth and support and love feeling about someone that a partner loves when I know that all society tells me I should be jealous or angry or threatened. And it's such a transformative feeling to go, I don't feel threatened, I feel more loved, I feel more supported. Some people happen to have a huge living room with like three couches on it. And you know, all of us who are in different types of romantic relationships or sexual relationships with each other, we would sort of just gather around in a pile and just cuddle on the couches. Literally an entire cuddle pile. And it's sort of like a group hug, except, you know, it's extended and more intimate in the same way that you cuddle someone. And it's just one of those things that you can only really get when it's a lot of people who just really love each other in a romantic sense. This is something you can only really get in the polyamorous setting. I went to my GP and I was like, oh, do you know what? I kind of thought I just want to tell her because she's really nice and really sound and she's like our age and, and everything. And so I just said, I just want to tell you this. And she was like, oh, right, okay. And then she went, I just have one question. And I was like, oh God, here we go. She said, where do you find the time? And I was like, yeah, that's what everyone asks. <laughs> like, that is the thing. Where do you find the time? Mm -hmm.